I'm Jen White. You're listening to 1A's In Case You Missed It. It's where we bring you some of the week's most important conversations you might have missed. In February, Haiti declared that after more than a decade of battling cholera, it had fully eliminated the disease. Now, less than a year later, cholera is back, and it's devastating the already beleaguered country. It's just one in a constellation of crises. There's armed gangs running the capital. There's a fuel blockade. There's disarray and distrust in the government a year after the last president was assassinated. And there's widespread hunger. This has observers worrying that Haiti has become a failed state and debating the controversial idea of an international military intervention. When a guest host, Indira Lakshmanan, spoke with Whitlore Marincourt and Dave Hovey earlier this week. Whitlore is the editor-in-chief of the Aibo Post and joined Indira from Port-au-Prince. Dan is the director of emergency response for Direct Relief. That's a U.S. nonprofit providing disaster relief in Haiti. Here's that conversation. So, Whitlore, let's start with you. How has the recent fuel blockade contributed to the re-outbreak of cholera? Okay, so the outbreak of cholera that we have in Haiti right now, let's talk about the numbers. Um, we have 188 deaths uh, already and 821 confirmed cases. Um, since September 12th, we had a blockade of fuel uh, in the country. Um, and because of this blockade, um, many hospitals has closed their doors because they could not, you know, um, function. But you also have uh, difficulties for human health uh, organizations, um, for health organizations to, to leave um, and to go to areas controlled by the gangs to, to, to help those affected, for instance, in Cité Soleil. And actually, of these two things that I mentioned, uh, the gas situation and the, uh, and the gang situation, you have now gas being distributed, um, at least for last week, in the country. So many health hospitals are starting to work. Um, but the gang stronghold on many places in the country, uh, including some of the places affected by this cholera epidemic, is still a concern. All right. Well, Dan, g- remind our listeners how many thousands of people were killed of cholera with the first outbreak. And now with the second outbreak, it's infected at least 8,000 people, killed over 100. So remind us of the context of how badly cholera rocked Haiti last time. And this time, who is being infected most? Yeah, that's right. After the uh, 2010 earthquake, there were over 10,000 people killed by cholera, and cholera did not was was never even active in in Haiti prior to that. Um, it was actually accidentally brought there by by UN um, aid workers, which has led to a lot of distrust amongst the um, the Haitian population for these foreign inter- interventions, and you can kind of understand why. Um, and and people that are most vulnerable to cholera have been you know children, you know the sick and the elderly elderly. And, uh, you know, Haiti is now dealing with historic rates of, of food insecurity. So people are, you know, left less resilient to, to fight the illness. And so it's mostly children, elderly. Um, who are we seeing most vulnerable among those um, thousands infected and over 100 who have been killed? Well, cholera is usually, you know, fairly treatable with basic care. And, it's, and when it's left untreated because people can't reach a hospital or the hospital lacks the the medical supplies such as IV fluids, that's when it can become deadly. 
and ultimately people die from dehydration and this is why the the IV fluids shortage in Haiti right now is so concerning since it's the fairly sim simple treatment to, to rehydrate the most severe cases and without that it really limits the healthcare workers ability to treat the sickest patients and and now it's it's you know an access issue where you know people are unable to, to leave their house and, and go to see a doctor, go to the hospital, and, and get that you know, fairly basic care. Um, and it's those people that are, are left without the care that are most vulnerable and ultimately the, the people that are dying. Now, Whitler, this is there's a really complicated backstory to cholera in Haiti. Um, the disease didn't even exist in the country until 2010 when a group of UN peacekeepers accidentally introduced it to the local population. Um, you know, this is the, the desire now to bring in international aid to help the acute hunger, to, uh, to help and stop the spread of cholera intersects with this problem of a very complicated history that Haiti has with international interventions dating all the way back to the United States in the early 1900s and then international interventions in, you know, 94 and 2010. What are the people of Haiti saying about new talk about some sort of military intervention to stop the gang violence or humanitarian intervention to try to address cholera and hunger? Well, like I always say, um, foreign intervention is extremely charged in Haiti, and you cannot, you know, diverse these discussions from, you know, uh, the political situation we have. Uh, since the president was killed last year in July uh, 2021, uh, Ariel Henry uh, took the reign of, of, of the government and he promised many things, including to fight against insecurity and including to fight against, you know, the, the hunger uh, crisis that we have on top of all other problems that we may have in this country. And uh, one, more than a year later, we don't know who killed the president and his name is in the assassination um, uh, accusations. But you also have a more dire hunger situation because for the first time in in the history of Haiti, you, we report we recorded uh, about 20 people um, in City Soleil with the highest level of hunger ever recorded in the country. Um, so you have many people protesting in the street right now. And when you ask, his this government ask for foreign intervention, many people uh, you know think that it's a way for and a power that they found illegitimate to try to stay, uh, you know, uh, in control of the country. So, but, the, but at the same time, if you talk to, to, to peasants, if you talk to many people, many other people, including folks living in the areas controlled by the gangs, you will hear more and more people asking for some sort of help uh, to the national Haitian National Police because they cannot by themselves, you know, solve this issue. You talk about uh, the Haitian National Police needing help. It's it's quite an irony that of the anged, the armed gangs who have taken over Haiti's largest port, and they're now affecting everything from trash collection to water distribution. They're basically running the the whole capital right now. One of the most powerful armed gangs is actually run by a former police official. 
Um, you know, they're running the, the country now like warlords. And so, you know, I can see that there is a tension among the public over whether to bring in some outside group that maybe is more trusted, but a lot of terrible things happened the last time there was an international intervention, including, including accusations of abuse by UN forces. So, Dan, I want to ask you, as someone who works with a foreign, in this case, U.S. humanitarian organization, how do you navigate all the skepticism between people wanting humanitarian aid, but also being fearful of it being used as a cover for, you know, military or international domination of Haiti? Well, the, the civil instability in Haiti has, has definitely crippled the local economy and the supply chain throughout the country. But direct relief works with, you know, we support local Haitian hospitals, um, lo- support local Haitian uh, healthcare providers. So it, it, it doesn't seem to the to a, a Haitian who's going to the hospital to, to seek care that it's maybe coming from the U.S. or the U.S. government or anything like that. We just equip those those Haitian facilities. So I think it kind of provides a little level of distance uh, between us. Um, tell us, Widlore, um, about the attitude that most ordinary Haitians have to international assistance. As you, you talked about, um, you know, whether they're concerned about this specialized armed force to help the gangs. At the same time, Canada has sanctioned over the weekend a half dozen powerful Haitian officials for having possible gang ties. That list, you know better than we, includes two former prime ministers and a former president. So tell us a little bit more about the influence these gangs have and whether an international intervention could help Haiti. Well, I, I like what you just said. Um, and this is the irony of the situation. Our police force was created in the 1990s. Um, and since inception, it was supported by countries like Canada, like the U.S. And when you look at the Haitian National Police today, uh, it is clear that it's not a force that is professional enough, equipped enough to fight back against the gangs that we have. But at the same time, you have a gang situation in Haiti where, according to reports coming from the Justice Department in the U.S., most guns traced in criminal activities in Haiti comes from the U.S. So this is why in many uh, protests, Stations in the streets, you have people bringing, you know, Russian flags or, you know, bringing things to say that they are critical of the actions of international community that is mostly represented by the U.S., France, Canada, uh, you know, it's what, what this so-called core group, you know, a group of diplomats, foreign diplomats in Haiti. So may, people are critical, extremely critical. And when they see actions like the ones that we had recently, where Canada and the U.S. are sanctioning, um, you know, some of the, these actors that have alleged, you know, ties to the gangs, uh, people, of course, many people are happy. That was Whitlore Marincourt, the editor-in-chief of the Aibo Post, and Dan Hovey. He's the director of emergency response for Direct Relief, a U.S. nonprofit providing a U.S. nonprofit providing disaster relief in Haiti. They spoke with 1A guest host Indira Lakshmanan. This was in case you missed it. You can find all of this week's latest conversations at the1a.org. I'm Jen White. Let's talk more soon. <laughs>